Hey Sports Tech fans, welcome to episode number four of the Sports Tech Live podcast. This is for Monday the 2nd of September. So we're going to jump into the usual kind of topics, uh, talk a bit about the streaming wars, news from the gambling world, esports, partnerships, uh, media and content, as well as a couple of updates on some stories that we've previously covered. So this week in the streaming wars, uh, we're actually going to be talking about two individual stories that kind of form part of a a larger kind of story. So uh, the first one is Yes Network finalizes $3.5 billion sale to New York Yankees, Sinclair and Amazon. Uh, So this kind of comes as a consequence of uh, Disney buying 21st Century Fox's assets last year in a $71.3 billion acquisition. Uh, So the Department of Justice at the time uh, kind of imposed uh, their will against uh, Disney to actually sell uh, Yes Network and uh, 21 other regional uh, sports networks um, as they kind of saw it as uh, unfair competition or potential antitrust issues arising from it given that Disney already owned ESPN. Um, So they've been kind of looking for buyers um, and the the other story that we're going to cover in the stream wars this week as well is on the sale of these assets. Um, So prior to the auction process for the 21 Uh, regional sports networks, the Yankees had exercised their right to control their own TV destiny. Uh, So they've kind of struck a separate deal for the Yes Network. And so the New York Yankees now owns 20% of this new media property. Um, So that's interesting that there's a sports team kind of taking control and partial partial ownership of uh, their own uh, TV destiny, I guess, and their own rights. And so I think the Brooklyn Nets also kind of fall under this as well. So it's a pretty interesting uh, sports uh, network, obviously New York being such a major attraction uh, globally, uh, but also being one of the, the wealthier kind of markets in the US as well. Uh, so having the Yankees and the, the Nets uh, local deals tied into the YES networks is going to be uh, very beneficial to all those involved. So obviously with the Yankees being part owner, they're probably going to have their own uh, OTT kind of platform to showcase some of their games. Sinclair being more of a cable provider uh, will probably um, showcase the the sports uh, network on the cable um, kind of providers in the, the New York area. And obviously Amazon kind of coming with their their Fire uh, Stick and Fire TV um, kind of hats on that they look to kind of form part of uh, the OTT offering or the streaming offering. And um, so it's been in the works for a long time so it's not come as a major surprise but I guess it'll be interesting to see how these kind of three individual partners kind of come together and to um, kind of provide uh, for the the fans in the the New York region. Um, So the kind of follow-on from this is that Sinclair completes a 10.6 billion dollar deal for Fox regional sports networks Um, so that kind of covers a huge swath of uh, the US uh, kind of landscape and so it's actually going to be Sinclair now that are going to own all of those uh, outright as well as own, owning part of the, the YES network. Um, so again, this was kind of laid down from the Department of Justice in the US um, that, the, that Disney actually had to sell these uh, Fox regional sports networks to get the deal uh, through for Disney purchasing uh, 21st Century Fox. Um, so this deal now is going to um, include Entertainment Studios CEO Byron Allen. So he's going to be an equity and content partner in that uh, new Sinclair group. Um, so it's actually going to be an indirect wholly owned subsidiary called Diamond Sports Group. 
Uh, so they're going to own all these uh, 21 regional sports networks. And I'd imagine that the part of the YES network is also going to be controlled from this uh, individual subsidiary. Um, so they own uh, Fox Sports West in Los Angeles and Fox Sports San Diego. Uh, so these are covering kind of major um, cities and regions in the US, um, as well as obviously having partial ownership of the, the New York uh, kind of wing of this. Um, so the regional sport ne network portfolio that Sinclair have bought uh, will give them exclusive local rights to 42 professional teams. Uh, so it'll be 14 Major League Baseball teams, 16 NBA teams, and 12 NHL pro hockey teams. Uh, so it's giving them a huge foothold in those uh, local networks uh, or local networks and the local regions. Um, so Sinclair is kind of a big broadcasting company based out of uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, so they provide a lot of news and they own and operate a lot of uh, news stations and regional networks. And uh, so obviously kind of pumping in a lot of this kind of sports uh, content that they now have ownership over is going to make them a major player uh, across the US uh, for, for local kind of TV uh, kind of packages. Um, so again, this has been kind of in the offing for a couple of months. Uh, so now that the deals have finally been approved, um, I guess we can kind of move forward and seeing how uh, these individual um, kind of networks and these deals um, and how they will kind of compete against the likes of ESPN and The Zone uh, for, for kind of sports content moving forward. The top news story this week from the gambling world uh, comes from the US. And uh, so it's the TD Ameritrade aims for end zone with ESPN fantasy football app. Um, so the TD Ameritrade are kind of a, a discount brokerage um, for consumers to buy stocks and shares uh, in the US. Uh, so they've now sponsored a section of the ESPN Fantasy Football app to show statistical trends for teams of fantasy players. Um, so they've basically will showcase a lot of uh, charts that will show fantasy players how their teams are trending throughout the season, comparing initial estimates for point scoring uh, with the current information that's kind of coming in minute by minute uh, from the um, from the NFL action so roster moves injuries performance of the teams and matchup results um, so I guess for TD Ameritrade it's a way for them to kind of potentially get in front of uh, customers uh, to increase their acquisition uh, of uh, customers and I think the the lines between gambling and fantasy and the the stock market um, not so much blurred, but I think the the people that are interested in one side or the other of that uh, can make a kind of a crossover. And uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense for both ESPN Fantasy Football app and TD Ameritrade to have uh, this kind of partnership and, and sponsorship. And I guess uh, with TD Ameritrade kind of showing uh, charts and stats and uh, trends and kind of showcasing uh, predictions, um, I guess it's kind of a way for them kind of showcasing uh, the digital assets uh, that they also have in the TD Ameritrade actual stock app. Um, so it's, I guess, a kind of way of them to kind of tailor what their offering is um, into the fantasy football world uh, to try and bring more and more people across into the um, into their app, uh, which is obviously for purchasing stocks. Um, so an interesting partnership for me. Um, kind of interested in both uh, fantasy uh, gambling and stock market so uh, it's great to see this kind of tie up uh, so 
TD Ameritrade will also be featured in ESPN broadcast and audio programming, digital assets and elsewhere. So it's kind of an all-encompassing uh, partnership, but obviously the main focus really is the TD Ameritrade um, section inside the ESPN app to show those kind of charts and statistical analysis uh, for the players. Um, so about 12.5 million uh, US adults play fantasy football as of 2017, up from 7.4 million in 2012. Um, so just kind of showcasing the, the numbers of uh, people involved in the esports or in the fantasy sports world. Um, so it's obviously increasing year over year. Um, so it's obviously going to attract more and more of these kind of sponsorship deals uh, in the future. So with a quick follow-up to a news story covered in the Sports Tech uh, newsletter a couple of weeks ago. So Spurs cut ties with sponsors 1xBet as Liverpool and Chelsea warned over links with the gambling company. Uh, so we covered this a couple of weeks ago in uh, the podcast and in the newsletter. Um, so Tottenham over the weekend have ended their partnership with the Russian betting company um, after the organization lost their license to operate in Britain. Um, so there's numerous kind of complaints of uh, breaches of the regulations uh, in the UK, so these included taking bets on children's sports and advertising on illegal websites. Um, so I think it was a total of 4,000 um, sites um, that the 1xBet um, had advertised on that actually showcased illegal content, um, which is against the, the UK uh, law. Um, so. Matt Zarb, cousin of the Campaign for Fair Gambling, said it is shocking that these football clubs fa fail to do the most basic due diligence checks on one expat before signing up for their these multi-million pound deals. It's an absolute debacle. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of sums it up quite well. Uh, of you know, obviously there's a lot of money kind of pouring into uh, the gambling world right now, and uh, so this should act as. Um, you know, a word of warning uh, to other sports teams around the world um, to actually do their due diligence to see who they're doing uh, business with. Because um, obviously, one expert had um, not just a single breach, but um, multiple breaches of uh, the gambling laws that govern the UK. So I'd expect Liverpool and Chelsea to follow suit um, in cutting their ties with one expert uh, because part of the UK gambling laws. Um, there's actually unlimited fines and uh, jail time um, involved for breaches of uh, UK gambling laws. Um, so I think these could be applied uh, to the clubs as well as 1xBet. Uh, obviously, if they're an official partnership, they're promoting uh, this now illegal brand in the UK. So I'd imagine uh, those deals would be kind of torn up overnight um, and new gambling sponsors found for the clubs. Um, so White Bullet Solutions, a London monitoring firm, found that 1xBet had advertised their services on nearly 4,000 websites with illegal content, which is against the law in the UK. Um, so yeah, it wasn't just a single breach, as I mentioned, it was uh, multiple um, serious violations. Um, so probably shouldn't come as any surprise, because um, a couple of years ago, uh, there's a kind of a similar story kind of coming out of Italy. Um, so 1xBet was an official sponsor of um, this area and actually still is. Um, I was watching a game over the weekend and I saw their branding uh, quite prominently. Um, so a couple of years ago, um, the CEO of um, this area actually said that piracy was going to destroy cinema, TV and football. Um, but even though he was kind of saying all those things, he obviously didn't understand that 1xBet was 
um, carrying adverts, um, inciting illegal targeted uh, movies and TV shows. Um, so the Serie League is at the forefront of addressing the scourge of piracy. We must defend football against this criminal attack and make it clear to those who use illegal decoders that they are committing a real crime. Um, so that was from the Serie A president, uh, Gatino Michichi. Um, so in the article as well, it kind of showcases um, a number of different torrented movies um, that apparently contain um, promo codes and advertising uh, for 1xbet um, directly inside them. Um, so I don't think it was an individual who was doing it. It looks like it was kind of a more um, premeditated uh, campaign from 1xbet to um, increase their sponsorship and, and reach uh, by including it in uh, these illegal torrented uh, movies and TV shows. Um, so I think if the clubs did a basic bit of research because this new story is from 2017. Um, so if they did some basic research into one expert, they would have found some irregularities that might have, um, you know, give them an early warning system into the potential downfalls of doing a deal like this, and obviously got them potentially in, in trouble with the UK Gambling Commission. Uh, so I think hopefully the teams will learn from uh, that mistake. But I think other teams, especially uh, teams in lower leagues or in countries that are don't have as much money as the Premier League would have, uh, to potentially you know take uh, some extra time to do their due diligence on uh, their their betting partners in particular, because obviously uh, there's different laws and regulations in different regions around the world um, so hopefully this would be a, a word of warning to all those football clubs and clubs from from different sports as well looking to um, get, get sponsors from the gambling world. From the esports world this week uh, we kind of cover another story um, based on Twitch, um, so it's the new story that they're cutting payments to esports teams and it's benefiting YouTube. And so it's not been a great summer for the Amazon owned platform Twitch. Uh, they obviously lost um, one of their biggest uh, streamers, Ninja, a couple of weeks ago to Microsoft's Mixer. Uh, but now they seem to be losing some uh, of the content uh, being created by these esports teams uh, to some of their other competitors like YouTube. Um, so. The payments from Twitch were a top three revenue stream for some esports teams and the reduction, the reductions have pushed the affected teams to diversify beyond the platform, said Manesh Kestenbaum, CEO of Enthusiast Gaming, a digital media company that specializes in gaming content. And so teams are obviously looking to move beyond just one platform. Um, so they're not completely moving away from Twitch, uh, but they're just putting more of their content in more places, which is obviously a wise strategy uh, for everybody uh, when they're publishing content on platforms that they don't actually own. Because uh, obviously Twitch uh, altering their payment structures uh, has adversely affected them. Uh, so now they're kind of looking for new homes for different types of content. So obviously YouTube, uh, the biggest uh, video platform in the world, uh, for putting some of their highlights of their games, uh, some behind the scenes footage uh, onto the YouTube platform. Um, but I would also expect them to start, you know, doing live streams on the likes of Mixer and YouTube. Uh, so they're not just completely tied into uh, one individual platform. Because uh, obviously we've seen, you know, the likes of Ninja move completely away from Twitch. Um, so, you know, that might have knock on effects as well for some of the esports teams that are solely on Twitch. Um, that some of their potential um, users and viewers may have followed Ninja off the Twitch platform. Uh, so I think it's good 
uh, good business sense for, for people to uh, diversify where they're putting their content. And as I said, you know, when they don't own the platform, uh, it's important to be everywhere uh, where your potential viewers are. So as marketers invest more in esports, the practice of editing Twitch streams into clips for YouTube has become more prevalent among sports teams. Um, so I guess, you know, doing a live stream is great. People get to engage in the action direct in real time, but obviously there's going to be highlights coming from that. Um, so obviously being able to edit that and put it in a platform that makes more sense uh, for uh, kind of video on demand as opposed to live streaming video, uh, which would be YouTube, uh, makes a lot of sense uh, to try and, you know, create different verticals, uh, create different um, uh, user groups, um, and obviously looking to kind of cross post across all channels as much as possible uh, out of the branded content. Um, so, you know, it's kind of similar to what would happen uh, in the sports world. Obviously, as new platforms kind of pop up, uh, teams have been quick to adopt them. So, you know, when YouTube came out, teams were kind of posting there, but, you know, we've seen uh, pretty much every major sports team in the world, you know, have a Snapchat and a Instagram uh, channels. Uh, but now they're all seem to be moving on to TikTok as well uh, to try and attract uh, younger fans uh, with content that kind of better suits them. Um, so interesting uh, summer for um, Twitch. Uh, obviously, they lost uh, Tyler Blevins earlier, so that's going to be uh, the second story they're going to cover today in the esports world. Uh, so he's actually secured a, a partnership with Adidas. So he's now the first uh, ever pro gamer uh, to be signed by the brand. Um, so it's the German sportswear giant, um, you know, traditionally in football. Um, but now they've moved into multiple different sports and obviously they've done a deal with the probably the most recognizable uh, esports streamer in the world. Uh, maybe not the best, uh, but he definitely has the, the biggest kind of following. And, you know, he's had a great summer in terms of doing uh, major deals. Obviously, the, the one like Mixer that we've mentioned a couple of times, uh, but now uh, moving forward with Adidas. Um, so they've constantly kind of uh, rebranded themselves and moved into different new markets. Uh, so this is another um, kind of new way of doing that and obviously targeting the esports world. Uh, so they kind of pulled no punches really and kind of went after the biggest biggest name uh, in the esports world because um, Adidas from a foundation you know they've always kind of partnered with um, sports stars and uh, individual kind of clubs and uh, nations um, to you know kind of associate their brand with um, you know a specific team or a competition um, so they're branching out into the esports world um, which probably uh, wouldn't make much sense to the founders of Adidas, um, but obviously I, th I think it makes a lot of sense because uh, obviously Adidas is more than just a sports brand now; it's more of a lifestyle uh, kind of brand. So I think you know, with the new generation, you know, these big lifestyle brands need to be associated with uh, the esports world just because it makes so much sense uh, for them moving forward. From the media and content uh, world this week, uh, we're going to cover um, the story of WWE to create a podcast network with Endeavor Audio. And so obviously I'm a big fan of podcasts having started my own, um, but I think it makes a lot of sense for different sports, clubs, leagues, organizations, uh, even the athletes themselves to, to get into the podcast game. So I think it 
it helps them to reach their audience, their hardcore audience um, in new ways and helps build the kind of relationship on an ongoing basis uh, with kind of new content delivered in a new way uh, to these fans. Uh, obviously, sports is a very kind of visual um, kind of industry, but I think, you know, being able to have a podcast network to, you know, talk about the stories or have interviews um, share some of the stories that you don't get to see on TV um, is a great way of doing that. Um, so obviously WWE is huge in the sports entertainment world, uh, as is Endeavor. Um, so I think it's a partnership made in, in heaven. Um, so it's going to be a direct-to-consumer platform, which makes a lot of sense. Um, so Endeavor Audio already works with uh, superstars Brie and Nikki Bella on their show Bella's Podcast. Um, so these are you know kind of stars from uh, the world already um, and their partnership with Endeavor Audio so I think it makes more sense for them to kind of extend it to um, all of the WWE um, so I think storytelling um, in the WWE is uh, kind of part and parcel really you know it's a scripted sport essentially so and uh, there's obviously um, storytelling kind of weaved in and out of the, the storylines that kind of uh, pop up in that entertainment sport um, so I guess you know a podcast is essentially another story storytelling um, kind of vehicle um, so they'll be able to um, partner their dynamic content um, with the best formats for, for listeners uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense and I, I'd expect to see other uh, kind of companies, leagues, clubs um, to start their, maybe not their own podcast network, uh, but certainly their own podcasts. Um, and, you know, we kind of saw from the, the Philadelphia Eagles in a story covered back in June, I believe, um, and the, the great results they've had. And now they have multiple podcasts uh, for Philadelphia Eagles fans uh, to kind of get involved with. Uh, so I can see this uh, being a continuing trend as we move forward and um, so WWE has a five-year deal with Fox worth 205 million annually to program two hours of live wrestling for 52 weeks of the year so um, I know WWE have kind of different deals with different networks um, so um, it's a huge organization um, and obviously they're kind of getting involved in um, the football world as well kind of bringing back their xfl brand uh, which will be launching next year so um it'd be interesting to see if they um kind of bring the the podcast network learnings from the wwe with this new partnership over to the xfl uh, world next year because i think you know the the storytelling and behind the scenes uh, kind of content would be great especially for a new league kind of starting off um, to help fans kind of get closer to the action and to the individuals that they're going to be uh, seeing in a live sporting uh, context uh, so I think that's really kind of part of the powerful nature of the, the Netflix shows that we've seen like Last Chance You it's that storytelling of the players and the, the coaches kind of behind the scenes not just when they're padded up and helmeted uh, playing the game but what happens during uh, the build-up to a game after the game so I think this kind of storytelling makes complete sense for every sport uh, but I think the WWE one uh, makes particular sense uh, given its uh, kind of global uh, popularity and uh, fame. From the world of hardware and wearables this week, uh, we're covering the story of figure eight sensors track body movement with amazing levels of accuracy. Uh, so a new startup uh, created by former Google research and development lead and researchers from MIT's Media Lab and Massachusetts 
Massachusetts General Hospital Sports Science Lab um, want to take things in a new direction. Um, so it's called Figure of Eight. Um, so they've developed uh, on-body sensor patches and they kind of go all over the body uh, to measure musculoskeletal performance and recovery in a way that's not been possible before. Um, so by applying these sensors all over the body, uh, they can establish a baseline assessment of movement that clinicians can reference whenever they're assessing an injury. And uh, so they can compare um, the ability of a user um, from their baseline to assess you know, the impact of the, the injury, how long it will take for them to return from the injury. Uh, so it's given them a lot more uh, data and insights into the severity of a, a soft tissue injury. Um, so it'll help uh, sports teams better to take care of their athletes after they su suffer an injury. Um, and obviously not been uh, pushing them uh, back too soon, um, causing a, a risk of re-injury. Um, so obviously we've seen the kind of explosion of of hardware and wearables over the last kind of five years or so uh, with the likes of Fitbit uh, but I guess these are going kind of one step uh, further it's not just number of steps or heart rate um, it's actually going into very detailed um, kind of insights into uh, a person's musculoskeletal uh, kind of makeup uh, so it might be able to um, provide insights into figuring out a person's stride if they're favoring one leg over the other um, but it also might even uh, shine light onto slight tremors that may be indicative of early onset uh, neurological diseases like Parkinson's. And uh, so instead of uh, capturing that surface uh, information, like the number of steps or heart rate, um, they, they're using their patented sensor technology to capture data on muscle activity and joint mobility. Um, so yeah, there's a good picture uh, in the article that's in the, the Sports Tech Digest um, of these sensors kind of placed all over the body, um, showing you know obviously the the different joint mobility. So uh, I think that would be very beneficial to uh, obviously kind of professional uh, sports teams, but I think also a lot of people in the um, kind of amateur kind of sports world as well. Because uh, I think you know the beauty of these kind of hardware and wearables, it's like bringing the, the barriers to entry down uh, quite considerably because this technology um, you know gets kind of mass produced and you know becomes more available to uh, even the likes of amateur sports teams or individuals um, so that's it from the world of hardware and sensors From the world of AI this week, uh, we have um, kind of an interview with uh, CEO of Datascribe, uh, Brad Weitz, explaining how AI has taken over sports media. Um, so they've did, done a deal now with the Associated Press. Um, so Datascribe will be providing a um, platform for automated sports and gambling content. Um, so Datascribe have also done deals in the past with uh, Major League Baseball, NBA and NHL for their sporting reports. And so these, this content is kind of automatically generated uh, from by their artificial intelligence. Um, so we've seen these kind of over the last kind of number of years, but I think they're you know, getting smarter and smarter uh, all the time. Um, so I think the world of sports reporting, um, of going to a game and you know, kind of going through what the teams and substitutions were and all the facts from a game um, are kind of over. Um, so I think you know, it obviously could potentially cost people their jobs but I think it will allow journalists to kind of uh, spend more time on the compelling stories and the insights that they can glean 
uh, from attending these games in person um, while also allowing more time for um, their social media and marketing and targeting the audience and optimizing uh, their reach uh, for their content. Um, so in the article, they kind of showcase um, two articles, uh, one developed uh, by Datascribe's AI and one um, written by a journalist. Um, so have a look, see if you can uh, figure out uh, which one is which. Um, I guess the majority of the ones I've seen that kind of fall into the AI kind of uh, generated um, content uh, would be kind of match reports, uh, but also the articles, um, you know, that kind of showcase um, what time the game is on, um, which uh, TV network is showing it. And so very easy to um, kind of auto generate. Um, so I think, you know, they get lots of hits because people do want to know what time the game is on and, you know, what time or what TV channel is showcasing it. Um, and obviously sports reports, um, are all kind of uh, great um, kind of test beds for this uh, technology. Um, allows them to you know kind of scale uh, this kind of content creation very very quickly, um, and then hopefully will allow uh, journalists to, to kind of provide richer uh, kind of content uh, using their insights and colloquialisms uh, to kind of deliver uh, better content for the readers. From the world of partnerships this week, uh, we have a story from eurohoops.net and it's uh, FIBA's uh, deal with Atrium Sports. Uh, so it's a very interesting uh, partnership. Um, so it's part of the FIBA Connected Stadium kind of initiative that they have. Um, so this will help uh, improve the production and distribution of live streams. Um, so Atrium Sports will uh, be providing uh, kind of in-house uh, technologies uh, inside in stadiums uh, that will offer national federations that are uh, part of the FIBA uh, kind of network. Um, so they'd be able to help them remove the barriers for implementing AI and machine learning based automated solutions to capture, enhance, produce and distribute uh, live video content. So I think this kind of brings down the barrier to live streaming uh, for the the nations uh, that kind of make up uh, FIBA um, and obviously been able to uh, distribute their live content in an automated fashion um, with greatly reduced costs for them, but potentially open up a whole new audience uh, for of fans uh, that could be watching the content. Uh, so FIBA Secretary General Andreas Zaklis, uh, we are very pleased to be entering into this partnership with Atrium Sports. FIBA Connected Stadiums will offer our members access to technology and expertise to automatically capture and live stream games. This partnership will help us plan, develop and promote basketball into the next decade and guide our national federations through an increasingly complex technology landscape. The benefits will surely be felt throughout the sport. Um, so it's a really interesting move. Um, you know, with the connected stadium, it's a huge kind of buzzword inside in uh, the sports tech world. Um, but being able to offer expertise and the, the technology into all of these stadiums around the world to essentially get one of the, the best assets out of the live sport other than the, selling the tickets uh, inside the stadium uh, out in a controlled and uh, scalable way, I think will hugely benefit FIBA and all the, the nations that make up um, the, their membership. Um, so the 
World Cup is starting um, for, for FIBA uh, right now, so uh, I guess this is kind of part of their uh, news cycle to announce partnerships like this. So um, really, really interested. Um, great story here from uh, Eurohoops.net. Uh, so I think this might uh, form the basis of other kind of future partnerships as well, uh, kind of moving forward, because uh, I think a lot of the technologies uh, that are involved in this deal are going to be interesting for a lot of uh, different sports organizations and federations around the world. From the marketing world this week, we've a new story of the UFC surpassing the NFL on Instagram. And the news article kind of describes two main reasons uh, for that. Um, so as of the article being published, uh, the UFC is over 15 million uh, followers on Instagram compared to 14.9 million of for the NFL. Um, so I guess the two kind of main reasons are, you know, obviously the NFL is huge in the US, uh, but I guess the UFC is kind of more of a kind of global sport obviously has participants from around the world and I guess this kind of individual kind of nature of uh, UFC allows uh, fans and followers of these individual athletes uh, to get um, easily uh, kind of ingrained into the, the UFC uh, kind of ecosystem and so I guess that's kind of one of the major kind of reasons uh, kind of put forward um, in this article uh, kind of makes a lot of sense uh, given the, the global nature uh, versus the very um, kind of US kind of focus uh, for the NFL. Uh, obviously they've kind of branched out into different uh, markets like the UK and Mexico um, but I guess you know the UFC has kind of seen huge uh, numbers of followers from you know even from Ireland with the Conor McGregor uh, rise over the last um, kind of five or so years. Um, so I think that kind of makes a lot of sense, you know, bringing nations behind into the UFC world um, based on just one individual athlete um, is, is a very, very powerful uh, reason. Uh, the other reason that's kind of mentioned in the, the article is the, I guess, the intimate style of the photography uh, that kind of comes with uh, the UFC, um, you know, kind of showing the, the pain and the passion and the glory um, of the, the fighting experience. Um, so I guess obviously with Instagram being a very, um, you know, photo and visual um, uh, kind of platform, it kind of makes sense that, you know, having this uh, great photography um, available uh, via the UFC uh, Instagram channel, uh, it being very engaging uh, for fans and obviously it being shared uh, inside the platform. Um, so UFC only trails the NBA now in terms of followers that, in the US, um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, kind of close the gap and if they will eventually eclipse um, the, the NBA to hold the, the crown as being the, the most followed sport sporting organization. Instagram kind of related story, uh, it's about Instagram's latest assault on Snapchat is a messaging app called Threads. Uh, so Facebook is developing a new messaging app called Threads that is meant to promote constant intimate sharing between users and their closest friends. Uh, so this is a story from The Verge. Um, so in May, uh, Instagram ceased work on Direct, a standalone messaging app that had been developing uh, since late 2017. Um, so essentially it was very similar to what the, the messaging system inside of um, Instagram is right now. So I think with their beta testers, people were frustrated of having to go from one app to the other for not a lot of uh, extra benefit. 
Um, so I guess this is kind of more of a, a group thread um, kind of a pla messaging platform. Um, so it's to allow friends to, to kind of share uh, different content and have a conversation. Um, so um, obviously going directly after Snapchat again. So um, so reports have indicated that the average Snapchat user spends more time inside the app uh, than the average Instagram user does, um, which is interesting because you know 12 months ago was probably the the inverse that you know Snapchat were losing people um, to Instagram since they kind of copied them with their their stories uh, kind of product. Um, so the core of Threads appears to be messaging and it looks to be very uh, similar to the existing messaging product inside an Instagram. Um, so be interesting to see if this actually kind of makes it uh, out into the real world or if we'll just get to uh, kind of beta uh, like the previous Instagram messaging initiative called Direct. Um, so obviously with Snapchat it's kind of more ephemeral messaging um, so not sure if um, this messaging app called Threads will have some sort of ephemeral kind of nature to it or if it will just be kind of more like WhatsApp or the messaging site Instagram will be but um, obviously Facebook and Instagram aren't quite happy uh, to be kind of losing uh, users back to Snapchat again after it looks like they effectively kind of killed them uh, 12 18 months ago um, so I think they're going at it again uh, for another round and um, so I guess we'll keep our eyes out for um, the threads app uh, in the app stores in the near future For the Sports Tech Live podcast, uh, you can subscribe on Spotify. Uh, and if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, uh, you can go to startupdigest.com forward slash sports tech. If you want to join us on our Reddit uh, community, uh, you can go to reddit.com forward slash or forward slash sports underscore tech. Uh, that's it for this episode.